0: All right, what's going on? April 22nd edition, going back to back on these hoes. Did a uh, podcast yesterday and getting one done today. But I'll tell you what, 41, I believe I had on April 20th. So 420, I had 41 listeners. So I might be doing something right out there. just probably trying to get it out in social media is what I need to be doing. So anyways, this comes out of the Washington football team headlines throughout the sports world Um, got a lot to talk about today well quite a bit a little bit of stuff but anyways alex smith says washington football team coaching staff was patronizing during comeback so who cares though i mean really who cares you just gotta you gotta look for yourself with deep within oneself and overcome the negativity it's just like how my family is and all that stuff. It seems like I'm always the black sheep in the family and they don't even invite me over anymore. So I overcome that. You have to overcome everything. All the obstacles, there's all kinds of obstacles that you have to go through on a daily basis. And there's always gonna be naysayers. There's always gonna be haters. People are always gonna talk bad about you no matter what you do. And you just don't think it's gonna come from your actual family but that my, on my part of it, it does. So, you you know, there's always, like when you're working, there's always gonna be someone saying you you suck at what you do. There's always gonna be saying that you're a piece of shit. There's always gonna be someone saying that you're hopeless, worthless, never gonna amount up to anything. But you gotta take what happens, is are you gonna let that defeat you, or are you gonna overcome it? And Alex Smith overcame the patronizing from his coaching staff. So, when Alex Smith returned to the Washington football team for training camp last year, The coaching staff put him through tasks such as carrying extra weight and pushing the sleds. Not only had Smith never done those things during his 15 years at NFL, according to Sports Illustrated Profile, the recently retired quarterback, he was less than two years removed from the gruesome leg injury that nearly ended his career. Subsequently, life-threatening infection. He almost died. We all know that. Named AP's NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2020, told Sports Illustrated he found the coaching staff patronizing during the early parts of last season as he tried to prove he was ready to play again, even after doctors had cleared him. Quote, I'd rather have somebody right in my face say, what are you thinking? Smith told SI, it pissed me off. End quote. Dr. Robin West, the former Washington football team orthopedic doctor, told SI that coaches would ask, are you sure you're clearing him? I got very little support, Wes told Sports Illustrated. Coaches would bring up the doctors, uh, said Smith had always died and lost, almost died and lost his leg. Why would he want to play? They asked. That's not your decision, Wes said, was her response. So, Smith's father, Doug, told SI he thinks the coaches sabotaged the comeback. Um, Washington football team coach Ron Rivera In a statement to SI Through a team spokesperson said He was scared to death about putting Alex Back all out there uh, Quote That is something I struggled with every day It's unfortunate that he feels we patronized him Because I can tell you That was not our intention At the end of the day I commend Alex, Alex because he proved everyone wrong And exceeded any reasonable expectations That anyone had set for him He not only made it back onto the field, but led us to the playoffs. It was a truly remarkable feat. But Smith returned to action during week five against the LA Rams. He would lead Washington to a 5-1 record as a starter, helping the team capture the NFC East crown. Taylor Heineke started the wildcard playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Smith announced his retirement Monday despite conversations with other NFL teams, including the Jaguars. The team could have reunited Smith with Urban Meyer, who coached him at Utah, while allowing him to serve as a mentor to Trevor Lawrence, to presumably number one overall pick in next week's draft. So really excited about that, too. And NFL draft is coming. Obviously, we're thinking about uh, uh, Alex Smith here. It's kind of unfortunate what happened to him a few years back. Um, Saw the nasty, gruesome leg injury, plus like the Pretty much gangrene or flesh-eating bacteria that was on his leg that almost took his life. Then he comes back to a 5-1 record as a starter for the Washington Football Team, and then they t- then they um, bring in Taylor Henicky to start in a wild card game against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't understand that. So Smith is probably like, I had it. I'm done. And you know, it's probably better off for him. He's got some. He got younger kids. He's got a beautiful wife to come home to on a daily basis. He made money. He don't need to prove anything to anybody else. I really liked him back in the day. I liked Alex Smith. Um, I, yeah, out of Utah and stuff. I, I really liked him a lot. Uh, but he had a good career. He had a good run. And um, there you go. The, the kind of back and forth confrontation with the Washington football team coaching staff and Alex Smith wondering what really happened. There's a left side, there's a right side, and then there's the middle ground, which is pretty much the truth. So maybe is Alex Smith overreacting? Is Ron Rivera's coaching staff overreacting? Was Alex Smith right about the whole entire situation about the coaching staff? I don't know. So we got a red hot uh, MLB baseball team that is kicking some ass right now and no it's not the cincinnati reds because we were kicking ass there for a second seems like we lost like six in a row because we were nine and one or eight and two or something like that in the very beginning and now we dropped some or nine and eight i think we lost last night as well my buddy out there jeremy what's up dude he was out there with his girlfriend fiance i don't know if they're married maybe they're married i don't know i have no clue but they have a house together and all that stuff doing a really good job he has a little boy he's a cute little boy. So just giving him props. Went to the Great American ballpark yesterday. I'm sure they had a great time. Saw the pictures on Snapchat, dude. It was pretty sweet. So just want to give a shout out to him. Uh, shout out to all the other people that are the Reds fans. Baby Cincinnati a big red machine since back in the seventies, seventy six. But anyways, I think that was the last no, I think we went back in the nineties. I think when Cring Grifford Jr. I believe two thousand or something like that. But um anyway i got all kinds of messages going on, and I can't edit what I want to edit, but... Excuse me. This is coming out of Oakland, actually. The red-hot Oakland Athletics on 11-game win streak. Here's why MLB team has been so good. So the Oakland Athletics have lived an entire season in less than a month, uh, and franchise notorious for slow starts and hot streaks compressed that lifestyle into a record-setting 20-day stretch during which it made history. Came the first team to lose uh, its first six games and then win 11 in a row at any point in the season, according to Stats, uh, Stats Inc. That the A's endured that low and injured, uh, enjoyed that high in nearly consecutive fashion. They beat the Dodgers for their first win on April 7th, lost the next day to Houston, and haven't lost since. So talk about a complete flip of a script, A's manager Bob Melvin said of a club that got outscored 50 of 13 and starting 0-6. Melvin's squad is still just halfway to the franchise record of 20 consecutive wins set by the 2002 Moneyball A's, who's famously started slowly, 20 and 25 at one point before catching fire. So it's the pitching, it's the pitching stupid, it says. <laughs> in a typical season, it takes well more than a month for a sample size to settle in, and it's definitely far too soon to project that the A's rotation will shake out of the next five months, particularly after the stunning ab- 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 variation of that was 2020. So, yet the about face of Oakland starters early on has been startled. Startling, starting. I ain't never been to Oakland, though. I'll tell you that much. Um, fifth year starter Cole Irvin, who came into the year with a 6.75 ERA in 19 games of Philadelphia, shook off two ugly starts to shut out the Tigers over six innings in his last time out. Only number one starter Chris Bassett has been consistent thus far, leaving open the question. Of which sample truly represents how good the A's rotation may be. So, Matt Chapman and Matt Olsen have been largely joined at the hip during their time in Oakland, uh, which the club facing a de facto, I'm just reading this, 2023, uh, theoretically open a new ballpark and hopefully re sign one or both of their corner infielders. But the uh, Chapman has long been considered MVP caliber. Um, old Guy Rules, it says no one has ever considered the waters of the San Leandro Bay restorative, restorative, yet the undistinguished waterway that could... Blah, 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 who cares? But so, Red Hot Oakland A's looking pretty good. I haven't watched a single game this year of any baseball team, and I really am sick to my stomach about it because I want to watch the Cincinnati Reds. But alas, I am in... Madison, Wisconsin, and we don't have local t- channels. And if we did, it would not have uh, the Cincinnati Reds on. It. <laughs> Unfortunately. So, red hot a's. I remember back in the day. i um, Jose Canseco, the Bass Brothers. Back then, I can't remember the other guy's name, Jose Canseco, and uh, I don't remember. But I remember having that that home run derby back way back in the Sega Genesis days. When, um, Paul Mitchell, I think it was Kevin Mitchell and Jose Canseco. There's a couple others that you always used to use to get home runs, but, um, yeah, just, just reminisce on there, good old days. All right. Next topic. Next topic. So former Florida state NFL linebacker, Geno Hayes, he's only 33 years old. He's under hospice care. So something really, really serious going on now. So Gino Hayes, who played three seasons at Florida State, seven in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Bears, and the Jaguars, is under hospice care at his parents' home for liver complications, his former high school coach said. He's only 33 years old. Here's a quote. "Gino's in need of prayers. He's fighting for his life, said Hayes' former high school coach, Frankie Carroll. Who visited Hayes at his mother's home in Valdosta, Georgia, last Sunday. Quote, it's tough. Gino's a fun-loving guy, end quote. Hayes, known for his instincts, athleticism, and quickness, always seemed to find the football. Here's another quote. And he'd get people on the ground when he got there, former Florida State defensive coordinator Mickey Andrews said. He had a motor and knack for locating the ball. So, Hayes signed with Florida State in 2005 out of Madison County, Florida, where he started as an undersized defensive lineman before he moved to linebacker and became an All-American. Hayes finished his junior season at Florida State, second on the team, total tackles, 94, um, and was first in tackles for loss with 17 and a half. Bypassing his senior season and declaring for the NFL draft, Hayes was a sixth-round selection of the Bucks in 2008. He moved into the starter's uh, role at weak-side linebacker in his second season with the Bucks, finishing with a career-best 98 tackles. Hayes played in 101 career NFL games, 70 starts. uh, From 2008, 2011 with the Bucs, 2012 with the Bears and the Jags, 2013, 2014, he had 401 career tackles and 10 sacks. Billy Ray Reddick, a former teammate at Madison High School and one of Hayes' closest friends, has remained in contact with Hayes and other high school teammates through a group dex jack. So, prayers, thoughts. now, I don't know if there's like a donation thing or something. This is out of the Tallahassee Democrat. Um, I don't know if anything. Um, sorry, I'm getting all kinds of phone calls and stuff right now. I apologize. But um, did you know, hey, he's 33 years old under hospice. Hopefully, everything works out for him. I don't, that's tough when you're in hospice care. Just prayers go out to, their, to his family and hopefully they have some donations and stuff going on. Check that out online. Go to Google and ch- type in Gino Hayes. I'm sure you'll find some kind of donation page or something that you can support the family with. Um, so, thoughts, prayers, go out to Gino Hayes. Going into our uh, topic of the day, we're going to talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes football. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys. All you people out there, 11 Warriors, this is the coming out of them. There's like a letter row or something like that that's out there too in Columbus. Unfortunately, the incident yesterday, I didn't want to talk about that. But if you want to listen to Outkick the Coverage, Clay Travis had an awesome take on that segment earlier this morning. So I listened to it. It was pretty sweet. So you need to listen to that. But anyways, and I'm 100% for what Clay Travis said on that, on that uh, take. Anyways, so anybody hiring out in Columbus, out in the Dayton area on radio, television, entry-level positions, just wanted to throw it out there, I'm here. Anyway, my my resume is pretty good. But anyways, we're going to talk about Ohio State Buckeyes. Probably going to keep on talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes for a while because I haven't. I don't really. Um, my my number one podcast that's on my Anchor app is Ohio State Buckeyes football. So we're going to keep drilling Ohio State Buckeyes football until we get some followers and all this stuff. Like I told you guys on the YouTube the anchor app actually get pays me. So I actually have money in the slot thing to, I can send it over to my a, a bank account cause it's already set up into there. So YouTube isn't doing that for me. So I'm probably just going to keep focusing on some podcasting. it's also easier for me to do some, uh, talking on here because I can look up different articles and stuff like that as I go and as I talk. So that way I don't sound like a freaking moron. But anyway, Eleven warriors here. Where Ohio State's position battles stand coming out of the spring practice? We talked about yesterday the top performers of the spring game. Now after the spring game, we're going to talk about um, the fighting positions and who who we think and this ple- these people. Eleven warriors think um, will stand out and who they're what they're who who should be number one. Um, So I can just scroll down this article here. So like we said yesterday, there was like 20,000 fans or so there at the game. Um, A Total of 133 days will have to pass before the season opener at Minnesota kicks off on the night of the Thursday of September. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Yeah, it's at Minnesota, Minnesota, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, if you didn't know that one. And no, I did not read that. I already knew it because I'm freaking awesome. Now, the quarterback position, so it says here, looks like the leader is C.J. Stroud, which we talked about yesterday. And I I know Coach Ryan Day is really, really thinking highly of this guy. But contenders are Kyle McCord and Jack Miller. Um, Congratulations to Day. If the goal was to say literally nothing publicly about any of these three or tip his hand even slightly, he succeeded. So they're going to let him battle it out. How we will take the quarterback competition into the preseason. As expected, Stroud appeared to ascend to number two quarterback status behind Justin Fields last year as a true freshman. So, 16-23, 190 yards, two touchdowns in a spring game. We talked about that yesterday. Coming out of the weekend, McCord would seem to be the biggest threat to Stroud as somebody who could open the season as starting quarterback. He has arguably the best package of physical tools, including an exceptional arm how he progresses over the summer leading into preseason camp in August will determine whether he starts or not. So Miller remains in the mix as well. He didn't look quite as dangerous in the exhibition at Ohio Stadium, but that was one of 15 spring practices. The second year from Arizona can't be ruled out entirely, but Miller has ample ground to make up. Now let's take a look at the running backs. This is a good controversy. I remember um, on the way to Madison, Wisconsin a few months ago, that they were having a big Ohio State controversy talking about, well, at least the podcast I was talking to was talking about it, um, with Master Teague and uh, Trevion Henderson. Which one should start? Um, I, I would go with Master Teague, which they did. Master Teague is a leader. Contenders, Meon Williams, Trevion Henderson, and Marcus Crowley, because Teague was a limited participant for the end of spring camp, Tackling was barred from the spring game and the vast majority of practices were closed. We talked about all that. Teague due to his status as a two-time all big 10 honoree who opened the 2020 season as a starter remains the favorite to be in the backfield at the beginning of the game against the golden Gophers, like we talked about. And notably Williams went first through uh, tailback drills and took first team reps with Teague. Wasn't practicing. He's a short stocky bowling ball of a running back who showed some of his dynamic against Clemson a few months ago, Henderson showed some burst in the spring game, though the lack of tackling made it hard for any running back to stand out. So Crowley, like Still Chambers, is a significant underdog to potentially start in Week One. Interior offensive line, Matthew Jones is the leader here. Got the contenders Luke Weipler and Josh Fryer. Uh, Jones experienced starting uh, and with the Sugar Bowl National Championship for a top 100 recruit in his fourth year came into the spring as a heavy favorite. Uh, Strudwawa, I don't even know how to say his name. Forget that. Jones and Weipler are the top two contenders to join Thayer, Munford, Munford, Nicholas, Petit, Frayer, Johnson, and Miller in the starting lineup. So here's the bullet package we were talking about yesterday. Remember the Ronnie Hickman standout? He's a contender, but the leader is Craig Young. Craig Young is the bullet guy. Ronnie Hickman and Court Williams Officially, the bullet is back. Both Young and Hickman had it listed beside their names for the spring game. To call Young the leader might be a stretch. In reality, he and Hickman are close to to dead even in the eyes of those outside of Woody Hayes Athletic Center. So Young has repped at the bullet, a hybrid linebacker, safety spot, after spending the previous two years as a strong side linebacker in Ohio State's scheme. Six foot three, 228 pounds. He's been viewed as an athletic specimen uh, under Urban Meyer. Uh, For either Young or Hickman, winning this job will mark a huge moment in their respective careers. Slot corner. Slot corner, Lathan Ransom. Lathan Ransom is the leader, and Marcus Williamson and Cameron Martinez are contenders. Williamson is the incumbent, but he's not the favorite to start a slot cornerback anymore. Uh, Now after Ransom's last season ascent as a true freshman that he carried into the offseason. Second-year defensive back from Arizona is talented enough that Day has been gushing about him since he stepped foot on the campus. 6'1", 200 pounds, entered the program as a safety. It's a different physique than both Williams and Martinez, each of whom are 5'10 and weigh less. Williamson, in a fifth year, said he's played more traditional slot corner this spring rather than the part slot corner, part second safety role he played uh, last year. How Martinez fits in the picture and whether he could actually start in week one remains a question. Let's look at the outside corner. Cameron Brown is the leader. Ryan Watts, Tariq Johnson, Jean Cavazos. There wasn't much of a battle at this position this spring for a simple reason. Brown wasn't practicing. He remained sidelined after tearing his Achilles. So because he was in the rotation before his injury in 2020, he's expected to start opposite Sabine Banks. So he claims to run a 4-3-40 uh, six foot tall, still Brown isn't his established starter, which opens up an opportunity for others if they prove they deserve that spot. So Watts picked off a Miller pass in the spring game. He looks uh the part 6'3", six, six, uh, 200 pounds, played only 28 snaps as a true freshman, including none in the postseason, which he could unset Brown for the starting gig. The uh, same can be said for Johnson and Cavazos. A lot of this position battle depends on how Brown looks once fully healthy. So there you have a little bit of some position battles at the Ohio State Buckeyes. Really looking forward to the season opener against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Hopefully we will have a full, hopefully all these mass mandates will get taken away and we'll be able to have a full, like Texas is doing right now, there's a couple other states that are doing the same thing, full games. That would be freaking sweet, boys. All right, now we're in the entering the end of the podcast, and I like to end up with something funny. I had a lot of different types and emotions this on this podcast. Some sad, some angry, now some funny. So, like I always do, dad jokes of the day. There was like some kind of, wait till I get a laptop, and you're going to think that I'm freaking... The best in the world at all of this because I can, I'm an editing machine. I just don't have anything to edit off of. Here we go. Dear Math, grow up and solve your own problems. What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies. <laughs> have you heard about the chocolate record player? It sounds pretty sweet. Oh, man. What did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> yeah, Bazinga. And here's the last one. Everybody, a roll The very last dad joke of the day. Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? Because if they flew over the bay, we'd call them bagels. Wow, that was freaking stupid. Freaking stupid. Anyways, there you go. There you have it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast again, April 22nd edition, AJ Let's Talk Sports. Check me out on my podcast, Spotify, Anchor app, Apple podcast, wherever you get your podcast and also check me out on my YouTube channel as well. Subscribe, like, follow, share, hate, comments. do whatever you want to do. Love you guys.